Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So let's start with S, which stands for sourcing, pretty straightforward. I think it's important to touch on what could go wrong. One of the first things that we learned very early with the PPE craze, we were getting a lot of inquiries for different products and we had to basically study all these different products and learn. We had to basically get a degree in in these products within a week or two. And some of the products were just unrealistic to source in a high quality manner and follow the same steps that we'd always, always taken. So one example would be Medical gowns initially, we literally got a wire transfer from a client. It was a 10 p.m. Uh, 10 p.m. on a Monday, and then we received the transfer the next morning. And we had gotten quotes from factories and at around 30 to 50 cents per unit for these medical gowns. And within 12 hours, we contact the factories and say, hey, we're ready to place an order. And the factories come back to us and say, there's been a new policy. Chinese government has basically banned 90% of factories' ability to export medical gowns from China. And now the prices are 3 to $4. So 30 to $0.50 cents to 3 to $4. Needless to say, we had to go back to our client and tell them that this was not going to be a realistic product to source. And we also just learned at that moment that you know, while there's a lot of opportunities, you have to be very careful um, and, and just make sure that you do what you think is possible. So how do we, how did we negate those kind of issues moving forward? Um, luckily with that client, they were sourcing multiple products. So we kind of pivoted and, and, and shifted to different products, but we have to trust your network, trust your team. So Mike and I, Mike has been in China since 2008, me 2014. We've built our own respective networks and we had to lean on that. We have our team in China, our lead project manager, Imogen, who's been with us for four years. So we went through our usual sourcing process and I'm not going to touch on that because that would take me, uh, you know, another 30 minutes to, to go through. But we went on our usual sourcing process and we, we, you know, reach out to multiple suppliers. We get quotations. We're learning about the products, learning about the certifications needed to export these PP products. And at the same time, we basically had to double our company within the space of two weeks to be able to do as much research as we were doing effectively in, in a quick manner. And then uh, leaning on our networks, we reached out to people that we'd known for four or five years, uh, for Mike even longer, and uh, reached out to trusted uh, sourcing partners who had already been doing their own research and we could trust the suppliers that they were introducing to us. So we had to make quick decisions, but we had to lean on our partners and trust. And it was an interesting process because Mike and I were leaning towards the partners that we, we leaning towards the partner factories that we were contacting. And then obviously Imogen, our project manager had done her own research and found good suppliers as well. And that created some internal conflict. So the solution there was let's split the orders between the two. We de-risk the situation. Um, we satisfy our partners and we also satisfy our team internally. So uh, it was a very, very uh, difficult process, but we had to pivot, use, uh, use the same processes that we usually use uh, um, and then learn as we go. So that's it for the sourcing portion. I'm going to pass it on to my esteemed colleague to talk about production. Thanks, Rico. So guys, the next step of the SPY method is production or the physical making of your products. 
And uh, I like to say when it comes to production, planning and preparation is, is key. It's, it's a critical part. So you want to be as organized as possible. But as we've touched on already, during times of uncertainty, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And, and the list of what could go wrong during production is just far too long for this, this presentation. Tons of things can go wrong. You know, Richard discussed in his presentation how clients sometimes don't even know, know their products, you know, and you need to know your product in and out. You need to know how it's produced, where it's being produced. All of these things are necessary. But for our particular presentation, we're going to use an example to highlight some of these things that could go wrong. Specifically, as we were in the thick of the PPE craze, we had an order of about 50,000 of the KN95 respirator masks. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this product. Of those 50,000 that, that we ordered, we were in dire need of about 1,000 of them that we had to ship out as soon as possible to a, a client in Europe. So uh, the factory told us that they could probably get some of these products of this 1,000 together earlier through some scattered stocks that they had. And this is what we decided to do. This was the route that we took as opposed to starting production and going through that process, which would have taken longer to get the remainder of those 1,000 units, right? So as you can imagine, uh, we're trying to cut corners to make things go quicker. And when we inspected these goods, these stock items, we found that they were just not up to quality standard. Uh, we found dirt on the masks. There was holes in them. Uh, they had a foul smell, kind of like they had been sitting around the factory and had got hit with cigarette smoke, per perhaps. So, And what we found, as it turns out, that they were actually stocked from another factory wasn't even coming from the same location. And um, it, was, it was a big issue for us cutting these corners and, and running into these quality issues. And then to, to add insult to injury, the factory wasn't too interested in helping us fix the actual problem. Uh, in, in, in a lot of cases, if you guys know from sourcing in China, sometimes factories think that these minor blemishes should be expected, especially if it's something that you haven't worked out in advance and agreed on a prior to said inspection. So how can we combat these issues? What can we do to avoid some of these pitfalls? Uh, first, in our particular situation with the 50,000 masks, we probably wanted to commit to the actual production instead of just trying to do quick patchwork with this stock. That way, we're sure that all the goods are coming off the same production line, same materials. We have the ability to monitor them as they're being done as well. And then next with the PPE products, what we noticed uh, is that we just had to begin to expect that there's going to be defects, right? There's going to be a certain amount of the product products that come off the production line that, that won't meet quality standards. So what we started to do was negotiate uh, a higher percentage of goods into our orders with the factories. Maybe it was one, 1.1% uh, product overage that we're adding to the orders. And then on the flip side, we also urged our clientele to order more products than uh, they had on their, on their initial purchase order as well. So, and then um, the big thing it, moving forward, and you know, Richard talked about this, and, and, and at SFA, we're always trying to, to emphasize this throughout the entire production process, and that's that random inspections and quality control is absolutely critical. So, 
Uh, if you're working with a third-party sourcing uh, like SFA, your party, the, the suppliers, everybody needs to be on the same page and in agreement as to what the quality standards are, when the inspections are going to happen, and this is just critical when, when dealing with production. So that is uh, a little bit on the production side of the SPY method, and then we'll move into import and export. And for our particular situation with the PPE, we're dealing with products that were coming out of China and being sent to other parts of the world. So we're going to start this, the export process next. And for the export of the PPE goods, I'm going to turn it back to Rico. Thanks, Mike. So the export process coming from China was extremely difficult. Uh, we were dealing with uncertainty, you know, export laws changing constantly. And uh, a good example of that was our, one of our larger orders was 12.5 million three-ply masks that we exported to France. The order was split into tranches. So the first tranche was 3 million masks. Everything went fine with the production. We shipped the masks from the factory to the shipping agent's warehouse. And uh, they were getting ready to be put onto a private plane that was booked by our client within 48 hours. So, and then they were going to go through um, customs the next day. So overnight, the Chinese government changed the laws again, um, export laws, and, and said that there was, a, there was a QC insert that had to be inserted into each individual box of the three-ply masks. And the, the QC insert already existed. They just changed the format of it. And they said, it doesn't matter, you, you know, even if you've, you're done your uh, productions, you have to change the QC insert. Otherwise, these goods are not going to be shipped out of China or they're going to be stuck in customs for a while. So you can imagine that presented a huge issue for us, 3 million units having to be completely repackaged after they've already left the factory. So we were lucky because, again, leveraging our network, we were working with a partner, a shipping partner, and even the factory itself. Mike had known these guys for many, many years. And so instead of them, in, in a typical situation, if you're working with a partner that you don't have a pre-established relationship with, they would have fronted all the costs on us and they would have blocked the shipment until we paid for the um, repackaging of the goods. So they said, you know what, like we're, we, we want to make sure that your business is fine. We're going to front the costs. We're going to repackage everything. We'll get the labels done and we'll get the stuff onto the plane on time. And we'll figure out the financial aspect of it later, which in the end, we ended up sharing those costs, the repackaging costs. So it's really important to have a pre-established network to lean on your network as I keep talking about throughout this presentation. And on top of that, we had people on the ground that understood what was going on in the customs. They had direct contacts in customs. So they were learning this information before it actually gets announced to the public. And uh, we're able to move a little bit quicker and not have our goods be delayed. Another thing that you could do, uh, something that we did do eventually, was we split our shipments. So if you want to break down your shipments even further, even though we broke them down into 3 million, 2 million, 3 million uh, tranches, we could have even broken it down further and then used different shipping methods. So we noticed that uh, sea shipments were less stringent. Uh, they, they seemed to clear customers much faster. Uh, whereas air shipments were a little bit more strict. And of course, at the time, um, and still to this day, commercial airlines weren't, are, weren't running at the same capacity. So a lot of the um, shipments that would be sent by air would be usually be put on commercial planes. So a lot of the warehouses were backed up, DHL, FedEx, UPS. So you could split up your shipments and use different shipping methods to sort of mitigate the risk of having a large quantity of your goods stuck either in customs or in, in one of the warehouses. Um, however, you have, to you have to take into mind that if you're splitting up 
uh, multiple shipments, then the logistics of managing all those different shipments comes into play. And of course, making sure that different things are arriving at the same time. So if you're if you're shipping some of those goods to various customers, that might work out. But if you have one customer that's supposed to receive everything at the same time, they might be a little bit surprised that they're receiving um, the, the shipment in batches. And in terms of the import side of things, Mike dealt with a lot of that specifically with the PPE coming into the state. So I'm going to pass it back to him. Thanks, Rico. Uh, so guys, uh, the details of importing goods heavily depends on where you're importing to, right? So different countries have different import rules, regulations, restrictions. And to highlight this and to highlight what could potentially go wrong when importing your products, I'll again focus on uh, our PPE business and specifically our very first order, which was a about a hundred plus thousand dollar purchase order. It was through one of our cooperating partners who was selling directly to the hospitals and medical facilities here in the southern part of, of the USA. And normally, during normal times, we, we wouldn't uh, have too much concern about this type of shipment. We would just package it out and, and, and ship out the goods. But there was a lot of rumors floating around during this time that U.S. Customs was being extremely strict on the products that were coming in, especially if it was a case that's similar to ours, where the goods are being sent for ultimate medical medical use, right? So if the documentation uh, on the China side was not in place, uh, we are at risk of extended timelines uh, at U.S. Customs, extended inspection times, and potentially losing the product. You know, there's a lot of uh, people talking about their goods being seized. And then Another aspect of of what we dealt with is since the order was for the masks and face shields and nitrile gloves that were all going towards medical use, we needed to make sure that we had um, an approved import license. So the importer on record needed to be registered with the FDA here in America in order to be able to successfully and safely import those products, which is a huge challenge to us because we, were not, we are not a, a U.S.-based company. We're a Hong Kong company, and this FDA import license can only be obtained by U.S. companies. So um, the last issue that we faced with a lot of these items was uh, unexpected taxes. Usually we uh, put the end address on the items. They're sent through. Maybe we'll get hit afterwards with some, some tax notices. But for these particular shipments, Uh, They were being held in DHL, FedEx, UPS warehouses until we got the relevant tax info together. So with these challenges, what did we do? As Rico mentioned, one option would be to split shipments up into smaller parcels. Uh, This has helped us in the past to kind of go under the radar with uh, customs. It's not, not always the best option, but it is something that you can consider. And of course, Getting the documentation filled out and, and settled prior to shipment, knowing what those documents are and exactly what needs to be prepared is something that we just figured out through trial and error. As we've told you, things were constantly changing. We always had to be updating our documents and, and updating each other and figuring out what needed to be prepared prior to that import. And what we did was... Um, 
as Rico mentioned, we leaned on our quality partners. So we were in open, transparent communication day to day with the factories, with the freight forwarders, with our clients in order to make sure that we were streamlining the processes. And uh, all the while setting expectations, right? You have to always uh, have transparent communication with your clients so that they can plan and prepare to the best of the ability, uh, their ability on their side as well. So another thing that we have mentioned was uh, taxes, and there's really no way to avoid that, right? But you can always prepare the documents in advance and have your payment method set aside so that once those goods do get held, you can take care of it as quick as possible, yes? So uh, that is a little bit of insight into the import side of things and what could potentially go wrong. And that'll bring us to the end of our, our spy method. So if you have a chance, please look at the slides in front of you here, and it gives some major points of each section that we discussed. Uh, there's sourcing, production, import, and export. And guys, this was a, a short, quick hit presentation. For us, we have a lot more information available online into going into depth into the production process and how to manage these things. And um, you can learn about them through our digital summit, which we're really excited to launch. And I'm going to turn it back to Rico, who's going to go into more depth about our digital summit. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made in China podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Financial. All one word. Cheers. Everything was spotted in the center side, in the center pilot, in the center seeking, in the center freaking. Everything got sweet, no red, no everything got deacon. Boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka. Everything in shaka, everything in fucker. Everything in shaka, everything in fucker.